Let's go in-depth on Hawkeye sports with the Des Moines Register. It's time for Hawk Central, powered by G-MIG's 5th Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Welcome to Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO and a special edition of Hawk Central. We say that every week. Uh, normally that's because things just sound different. Today, Chad, we really mean it. You had a chance to sit down with Coach Kirk Ferentz yesterday. Yeah, one of my favorite interviews and podcasts of the year. Um, I thought this one was really entertaining, as always. Always try to take a different angle with things. Um, hope you guys enjoy this one. So give, a, give some listeners a, a, a little clue here. What should they be listening for in this first segment? Yeah, a lot of memories. Uh, okay. Memories of uh, big wins. Obviously, he's at 143, tied with Hayden Fry all time at Iowa for number one. So we just kind of reflected on some of those memorable moments um, from blowouts to emotion to to walk off TDs. Let's get to it. Chad Lysico, sit down with Coach Kirk Ferentz here on Hawk Central, 1460 KXNO. Well, Kirk, good to see you again uh, this summer, I guess. The weather would suggest it is summer. We are uh, here in your office a couple weeks, I guess, before players report. Not too, not too far away from that for the summer. Actually, next Monday, next the, Monday. Uh, the veteran guys will get in here, and then a week after, the first-year guys will get here. So things will start picking up. The building's been really quiet the last couple of weeks, but mm-hmm. that'll change next Monday. Yeah, so it's coming fast, I guess. It feels like yeah. it's coming fast, as it does every year. And so I kind of wanted to, at least before we get too much into the heat of the moment, start with some reflection, I guess. Um, because as we sit here, as you probably know, you're tied with Hayden Fry with 143 career victories. And uh, I know that means something to you, given uh, you know, uh, what he hired you, et cetera, here. Um, just your initial reaction just on the fact that you and him are now tied in history. Well, you know, I haven't thought a lot about it, but yeah. do, people do remind me, yeah. uh, as you might imagine. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of neat in a couple levels. So I think back to 1981. Uh, you know, never in my wildest dreams did I even envision living in Iowa 28 years. So to think that any of this stuff could have taken place, uh, you know, it was never even something we considered myself or Mary. And then uh, even coming back here, uh, you know, you never really think in terms of long-term things. You just kind of take it uh, day by day, week by week, month by month, and just kind of push forward. So, uh, and I, th- I think really in, in some ways that's probably the whole story here. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the most unique thing about this, and I'll tie it into uh, a bigger picture is the fact that you've had two coaches now and uh, what will be 40 years. That's pretty unusual. And they have three athletic directors since 1970. Uh, really unprecedented uh, in college sports unless, you know, maybe there's some Division three programs that could say that. So uh, to me, it's, it's more, that's kind of more of the story, just the fact that we've been able to have that kind of um, sustainability, uh, consistency, and, uh, you know, uh, at some level, uh, some success in there as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, as a, I thought a fun way to maybe look back on um, these last 19 years, I, I went ahead and picked some memorable victories, and you may mm-hmm. have some others in there, but I thought mm-hmm. I'd uh, solicit your reaction on some of these. And you feel free to correct me when okay. I, if I'm off. Um, well, they're, first of all, they're all good. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's no, no such thing as a bad one. Good point. Uh, to me, win number three, um, I think, is probably, mm-hmm. I, would, I would call that a breakthrough type of win. Um, we're talking about Penn State, November 4th, 2000. I see a football over your right shoulder commemorating that game. Uh, Hawkeyes were 2-18 and 18 to that point. What did that overtime win in Happy Valley do for this program, do for you? I think you nailed that one. That, that's, uh, that was like our first legitimate win uh, in Big Ten play. And we'd beaten Michigan State earlier in the season, mm-hmm. uh, ran back a kickoff, hit a screen pass. You know, so we just kind of found a way to win in that ball game. But it was, it was you know, uh, statistically we, we got hammered in that thing, but we found a way to win. 
Uh, so again, that's a positive. Uh, the year before, we were fortunate to beat Northern Illinois, and, and they weren't a real strong program at that point. They are now. Um, so that was our first legitimate win. It happened on the road against a historic program, and, and it came in overtime, so it was tough to get that. Uh, but, but really, from start to finish in that ball game, it was the first time where we really kind of operated like a, like a Big Ten team mm-hmm. that might have a chance to have success. So maybe you thought, did you think at that point, hey, maybe we're getting somewhere? Was that a little validation for you? It, it was uh, positive, and then the next, next day we came in, and uh, unfortunately I remember before I left that, that Sunday, uh, I remember sitting in Norm's office and watching Northwestern, I think, put up 55 points on a good Michigan team. So that, that kind of you know, brought us right back to uh, reality <laughs> real quickly. Uh, the question there was, like, you know, how are we going to stop these guys? How are we going to slow them down? Forget about stopping them. How are we going to slow them down? That was a pretty sobering uh, film to watch. Yeah, and then you beat him the next week, if I remember right. Yeah, we did. Correct? And so, yeah. uh, Norm went against my advice. Uh, we came in, then, or I left that night, and I said, I guess we'll have to play a sub-defense against these guys. They were, uh, they had changed their offense dramatically. They'd copied, uh, went down and visited with uh, St. Louis, the Rams. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the greatest show on turf at that mm-hmm. time. So they were, they were a spread uh, high-tempo team, and, and my thought was we'd have to you know, change our defense a little bit to have a chance. Uh, Norm came in the next morning, so we're going to stick with what we do. And, uh, you know, lesson learned, it was a really a good plan. <laughs> Big wins, I think, can be in lots of different categories. I think uh, memorable wins. So what I, did, I took one four years later, same place. Um, obviously, that was more rich with emotion. The score was 6-4. to four. What does that bring back to you now, 14 years later? Well, you know, that one's got a personal tie to it. Yeah. So it's, uh, it was a great win, though, but... You know, it's kind of symbolic or emblematic of our football team that year. Um, that was a team that just found a way to win somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. And and that game, I mean, you know, that's that's a. And my dad was a, a baseball guy, so uh, <laughs> probably pleased him greatly. But you know, it was just a really strange game in a lot of ways, yet uh, a really satisfying win. Um, you know, it was a, a tough. All all the victories came hard that year, mm-hmm. and uh, but that's really how that team operated. They just they found a way to win each and every week. And it was kind of a different story each and every week. But, uh, you know, the, the uh, personal ties to that ball game, you know, obviously, yeah. you know, just a little different emotion for me. Yeah, that's that's when I looked back on all the games. I mean, that's one of the images that sticks with me, just you and James on the sideline there. You know, I, I think that that is that will be part of your coaching history, I think, um, just yeah, because just, the, you gave the eulogy the, the previous day. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's not what you want to do, obviously, yeah. and, uh, but that, that's life, too. And, you know, that, that's part of the bigger picture of what we're doing. You know, it's an exposure to mm-hmm. uh, day-to-day life, and things like that do happen, too. They happen to players, obviously, mm-hmm. in 20 years of coaching. We've had a lot of players have to leave for funerals, that type of thing. And that's just, you know, life goes on. Then you hope everybody else around you supports you, and that's, that's certainly the case that week. So that was win number 37. Um, like I mentioned, we're, uh, we're at 143 on the counter here. Um, I think uh, your teams uh, have had a flair for the dramatic as well. Um, three walk-off touchdown passes. I don't know if you'd realize that. I'm Probably sure did. No. <laughs> Obviously the Tate to Holloway. Yep. Um, Stanzi to McNutt. Yep. And I, I kind of view those as more dramatic in different ways because you have the one that's like – the miraculous, how did that happen? And the other one, we, that was do or die, I mean, was, yeah. a regular season. So as you reflect on those two in particular, uh, what what comes to mind? Yeah, in very different scenarios. Yeah. And, and, you know, as you pointed out, um, you know, it just it was the, the Capital One Bowl storybook ending, you know, one of those deals. And 
it's ironic in that game uh, they blitzed us a couple times and they they broke that blitz, but they were blitzing us. At least it appeared they were trying to. They broke the coverage and uh, you know we end up with the receiver that's that's wide open down there. Uh, earlier in that game they blitzed us also, and I think we had Solomon on on that weak side uh, for a mm-hmm. touchdown. And you know look at that thing. I mean if they hadn't blitzed us either of those times they beat us uh, straight up. It was it was one of those games. Uh, and it was a miracle ending, certainly, but the bigger miracle, in my opinion, was that we were still in the ball game after 59-plus minutes. Uh, when I saw them on film, I was really mm. concerned. I just thought we had uh, maybe bit off a little bit more than we had a chance of chewing. Uh, so for our guys to play the way they did, for us to get the lead and then hang on and, and then find a way to win uh, at the end, it was really great. And then the Michigan State game was uh, uh, one of those games where neither team could really score uh, throughout the game. And then all of a sudden, you know, that, that – uh, Second half, a couple things happened, but you know, it was do or die for sure. And um, it was a situation where, you know, a good example of player communication. You know, we uh, I remember uh, in timeout, you know, Ken talking with uh, with with the quarterback and with uh, the receivers, and you know, we came up with uh, with that play. It was a great call, and you know, uh, obviously the execution was really good too. So, you know, Ricky gave him a good ball, and Marvin yeah. finished the play. Yeah, people I've talked to that were inside the stadium, I didn't cover that game, but. So it just got really quiet right after that moment. I don't know. If, yeah. Do you remember anything like, like, kind of like the? Well, it wasn't quiet on our sideline. <laughs> I, I know that. And, uh, you know, it's just, it was just a really hard-fought game, yeah. uh, a really good defensive ball game. And um, you know, at, at some point, and we've had a couple of those. You know, you weren't sure anybody was going to score in that ball game, just the way it was going. So uh, for us to hang in there, and uh, that that team, same thing. You know, we talked about the 04 team a second ago. That team really, uh, they just they had a lot of resolve and they found ways to win ball games. So that, that Michigan State win was win number 78. Um, the other walk-off touchdown pass that um, on that list is Stanley the Smith-Marset, so very recent. That was win number 137. Um, I did pick up – I think you've had three walk-off field goals. Um, Penn State 2008, which I count, even though there was one second left. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of the same thing. I'd agree. Yeah. <laughs> Pittsburgh 2015 and Michigan 2016. Yeah. The one I went to, I guess, for memorable for domination's sake, actually just happened last year. But and I'd be curious if you, maybe you had a different one. But win number one forty one, the Ohio State. You know, your three touchdown underdog and win by thirty one. Where did that domination come from? Oh, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know how you articulate that. And that's um, trying to think. You know, back to nineteen eighty one, any game I've ever been involved with Ohio State, we've I doubt we've ever been favored. Uh, they've, you know, my my twenty. Plus years uh, in the league, I guess uh, experience in the league. Yeah, they've had they've had the best teams uh, year in and year out. And even my six years in the NFL, when you look at draft boards, they've had the best talent. So, uh, and on top of that, they've always had good coaching. So to, to beat them has always been a challenge. Uh, nothing different there. And uh, we looked at this this year's game as a real real big challenge coming into it. Um, obviously, we were ready to play. They they weren't mm-hmm. quite ready to play, and that's sometimes can be a bad combination if you're on the uh, wrong end of it and. Uh, but to, to, to see the game unfold the way it did, you know, there's no way you can script that out. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, to me, the other the only one that rivals that maybe in terms of just pure domination would have been, well, you've had other games with big routes, but in terms of a really good program would be maybe at Michigan 2002. That was yeah. the one that 34 to 9. Um, but the, I figured I would I would let you pick 2002, maybe which win of all those stands out. you got Penn State, you've got Michigan, you got the – you know, Metrodome kind of triumphant finish. Yeah, uh, what sticks out to it's you? It's hard to pick any of them because like, the Metrodome game, uh, I've said this many times, I'm, I'm not sure we need to, the coaches need to be involved with the team that <laughs> week. They they were 
uh, on their own program, and they're, they're ready to win uh, that week without mm-hmm. a doubt. Uh, the Penn State game was big in my mind in that we were in that same situation two weeks prior to that and uh, where we had a sizable lead, lost it, and then couldn't respond, and then this time we did mm-hmm. respond. So I thought that really demonstrated great growth in two weeks, uh, being in that same type of situation. Uh, the Michigan game, that was a, you know right back and forth. It was a tough, hard-fought game, and then uh, we came up with a turnover on a punt. Yep. Uh, Bob Sanders comes out with the ball, and next thing you know, the, the you know things took off for us pretty good, and we really had good control from that point on. Uh, that was big. The, the Wisconsin game might be as big as any in, in some ways, in that uh, you know that when I got here, they were the the standard uh, bearer in my mind. They had uh, you know been to a couple of Rose Bowls in our first year. Uh, we helped them clinch the Rose Bowl bid uh, on their home turf, and it was a great environment. So, you know, we, we were certainly playing catch-up to them, and, uh, you know, we just got slaughtered in the first game. Uh, the next year we played them. It was a tight tight score, but the statistics weren't tight. Uh, the next year we turned it over a couple times, really hurt ourselves in a game that, you know, was probably pretty even, uh, at least had a chance to be. And then, you know, in year four we finally caught them out here, and uh, that didn't clinch the win for us, but at least or clinch the uh, title for us, but it put us in position to be in it. And, uh, the thing I remember about that game, they started out in that game with a, a five-man defensive line, uh, and it kind of took us a while to figure that out. Like, you know, <laughs> it was a, a little bit of a different wrinkle. But, uh, you know, they're, they're a really good football team, an excellent program, and continue to be. Your memory is uncanny. You still remember these things, huh? Well, I, I remember the things that really disturbed me, and that, that was like, you know, that was like, you know, what, what, what's going on? Something was on, you know, something was wrong, something was amiss there. And then we, we figured it out, and then fortunately we were able to counter it. But it yeah. took a while. Uh, any other? Uh, there's tons of wins that I could have mentioned, but any other ones kind of stand out to you as you kind of think about the first 143? Well, and I'll go back to the 02 season. The other part about, and this is true in a championship season, I think. Um, you know, the two Indiana teams we played that year, Purdue wore us out on our turf, and we found a way to win that right. game, yeah. basically on special teams, and then came up with a big drive. Uh, which Brad had a lot to do with. And, and then, you know, going over to Indiana, I, I'm not sure they won a game that year. They might have. They might have won one. And they played us as hard as anybody. And, uh, you know, probably out statistic statistic us mm-hmm. in that game. Uh, we came up with a couple of really timely interceptions. Otherwise, we lose that. But point there is that you, you don't win a championship typically uh, just by steamrolling everybody every, every week. It doesn't happen. Uh, and you have to find a way to win games where you're maybe not quite as ready as you need to be to Mm-hmm. to play or the other teams just playing, you know, maybe better than they're, they're capable. And those things happen course of every season. So uh, to win a championship season, boy, things really gets week to week and you really have to have things fall right for you. Yeah. Great point. Um, as you look back, uh, any, is there one play call or one decision maybe you made you'd like to have back? Cause you oh, just, yeah. we just talked yeah. about your memory being good. Yeah, I'm I got sure a couple of them, but I'm not going down that road. <laughs> So you could have... Whenever it's all over, I might, I might okay. revisit those right. about five years afterwards. But, uh, yeah, I got, I got two that stand out oh, man. vividly, two decisions, yeah, Okay, I that, gotta, I, that I have full ownership in. I got to yeah. file that one away for uh, somewhere down the line. Chad, I love that last question. I'm a big fan. I think you can learn a lot from people when you ask them about their regrets. Make sure you hold on to that for someday. Yeah, pocketed that one away. I have to ask him after he retires, I guess, because I don't think he's going to share it until then. When we're struggling for topics on Hawk Central one day, we'll just open the phone lines. What are the two big regrets that Coach Ferentz is holding on to? He's going to take full ownership of them someday. When we get back, still a lot more of this great stuff coming up with Coach Ferentz and Chad Lystico here on Hawk Central on 1460 KXNO.
Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes. It's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-Mig's Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO. No Mark Emmert this week. That is the second best part of this podcast, Chad. The best part of this uh, this episode featuring your sit-down with Coach Kirk Ferentz. So, segment two, you, uh, you, you already went through some of the reg- or, or some of the memories in segment one. What are we going to hear in segment two? I thought this was my this was my favorite segment. Uh, it talks about coaching girls basketball, which was uh, actually really funny to listen to, and then an unsolved mystery involving Bill Belichick. I had your wife Mary on on our podcast. Uh, it's been three or four weeks, maybe now. Um, great conversation there. Um, one thing that she mentioned uh, um, was the words I think eye opening for when you were a girls basketball coach. Yeah. Uh, way back in the day. A little known trivia right there. Yeah, you were a girls basketball coach. Why don't you fill our listeners in on on that and what was eye-opening about it? That was the hardest job I've ever had, I think. <laughs> Certainly in coaching, maybe not totally, but in coaching. Um, and just an expl- explanation, the school we taught at was three academies, mm-hmm. a fairly small school, for, uh, fairly small faculty. So all the students were, were expected to be in some type of activity or sport uh, every semester. And, and the faculty was the same way. We were expected to be involved in at least two things, either coaching, uh, you know, chairing the uh, whatever committee it might be, that type of deal. So uh, obviously I was going to coach football. That was, that was a given. Ken O'Keefe already had his hands on, on baseball, so I wasn't going to get that, uh, which was, was a little bit more up my, my alley. But mm-hmm. um, the athletic director, a guy named Tom Blackburn, uh, was kind of the patriarch of the athletic department there, a great, great guy and a great mentor for us. Uh, seemed like he was ancient. He was probably 45 at the time. Uh, but anyway, he grabbed me and asked me to coach the uh, the women's basketball team. And I said, Tom, I, I don't know anything about basketball, and I certainly don't know anything about coaching women. So he said, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll fill you in on the basketball part. You'll be you'll be great. You'll do do fine. So he was desperate, obviously. Um, <laughs> so how do you tell Tom Blackburn no? All right. So there was no there no was not a consideration. So I ended up uh, doing that and. Basically, my discovery was that uh, when I tried to, to be nice to him and, and be really, you know, uh, kind of careful about what I said and how I coached and my approach with him, it wasn't working at all. It just did not work. And then uh, when I, for whatever reason, figured out, hey, I'm just going to coach these these uh, these girls like I would the boys mm-hmm. in, in football and just, uh, you know, set expectations and what have yeah. you. It, it worked out beautifully. And yeah. uh, they were a lot of fun to coach. and. Uh, you know, we weren't any good, but it was a lot of fun, fun activity, and it was a good growth experience for me, quite frankly. What? Uh, how many years did you do that? Two years. Two years. Yep. So you said you weren't good. Or no, you were good? no, we were. Okay. You know, we were okay. We were okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, our our, our boys style? team was a really good team. Okay. They had an excellent. What's what Worcester Academy is really known for. Okay. Uh, you know, when we went there, and then Ken built the football program into a, a really strong program as well. I was gone after two years, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was there quite some time and really built a great program. So you didn't, did you have a coaching style like run gun or anything? No, I can't remember. <laughs> no, it was probably very deliberate. I'm guessing. I don't know. Yeah. Ball control. We, we weren't running too fast. No, no. no. We didn't have too many ball handlers. I remember that. Um, you never do. Uh, I don't think. Or I, shooters. <laughs> yeah. So obviously you come to Iowa in 81. Stay here for eight years. That's uh, a well-known part of your. Nine years, yep. Nine, nine years. years yep. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. well-known part of your journey, 81 to 89. Um, but then you left for Maine. I don't think I know kind of how that all developed. What, were you looking to become a head coach? Uh, was that kind of the impetus of 
Yeah, you know, not necessarily. Um, And I've never really, like, you know, had a dream job per se. Uh, But, you know, I'd been here, I guess, nine years. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're coaching a position, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, had a lot of responsibility, all that. So it was very stimulating. Uh, We were enjoying every part about our personal lives. Uh, But I I do remember uh, uh, that season, uh, the 89th season, we were on a bus trip somewhere. I had Sports Illustrated, and it was a nice article on Maine football in it, Hmm. uh, featuring Tom Lichtenberg, who was the head coach there. And Dave Triplett had worked with uh, Tom uh, at Iowa State. So, you know, we we were just kind of talking about it a little bit. And then, sure enough, uh, Tom left uh, right after the season was over that Maine was in the playoffs that year. They had a good team, had an NFL quarterback, actually, so... Uh, Tom went, went back to the state of Ohio where he was from, Ohio University, became the head coach there. You know, it was good for his retirement uh, and all that kind of stuff. But long story short, um, you know, the job was open, so I, I thought I'd throw my hat in the ring. And it's actually kind of an interesting story. Kevin White, uh, who's now the athletic director oh, yeah. at uh, Duke, uh, tremendous guy. Kevin had gone to Maine from, from Loris, and uh-huh. uh, he had been the AD at Loris. I, I was not really uh, you know, real aware guy or a network guy or any of that stuff, so... Um, anyway, I, I called up there and, uh, Kevin's assistant said that, uh, you know, free to apply, send a letter, three letters of a recommendation and, uh, you know, we'll consider you one of those deals. So I said, you know, I really don't want to jump through those hoops if, if we're all, I don't want to waste Kevin's time or my time. Yeah. So I left my name and number and figured that was it. Uh, about a week later, Kevin reached out and called and, uh, it was kind of funny cause it was right around the holidays we were packing for Thanksgiving. And uh, four screaming kids in the background, and, and uh, the phone rings, and it's Kevin. So we're having a conversation, and there's four kids just going crazy, maybe three, because I think one was an infant, but uh, three kids going crazy in the background. After I hung up, I'm thinking, this guy, he's like, you know, he's got to figure this. There's no way I'd hire this guy. He's got no control of his own kids. Little did I know, Kevin had four kids at that time, soon to be five as well. So I think he got that whole picture. But that, that's how that all got started. Okay, and uh, so you were there three seasons. I think I had you down 12 and 21 in those three years. Um, my next question becomes, and how, how did you and Bill Belichick come together then at that point? He hired you as uh, coach of the Cleveland Browns mm-hmm. um, after that season. How did that connection form? That, that's a question that will remain uh, unsolved and unanswered. Okay. I, I don't know the answer to that, I'd, I'd tell you. I've got a couple of theories, but uh, it was really strange. I was coming back from recruiting uh, probably end of January, uh, mid-January. Um, you know, I was in the Boston airport, called my assistant, Brenda. I was mm-hmm. on my way back home to Maine. And uh, she said, you know, Michael Lombardi had called from the Cleveland Browns and left the number. So anyway, when I got back, I gave Mike a call, and, and they were interested in interviewing me. And uh, I never asked them how they got my name or what the – uh, circumstances were, and then when I got there, I never, never asked that question either. So, to this day, I really don't know. Um, there, there was a guy that was really good to me, has been good to me throughout my career. A guy named Tom Bresnahan uh, had worked with Bill with the Giants, and uh, I know, at least I think Bill tried to get Tom to go with him. Bill ended up with uh, Marv Levy and the Bills for that great run they had. Uh, I think Bill might have inquired uh, when Bill took the job a couple of years before that. If Tom would be interested in going up there, uh, I think Tom obviously declined. The only thing I can guess is maybe, you know, Bill asked him for some names of, of line coaches, mm-hmm. and Tom gave him that. And 
Uh, maybe Bill's going back through his notes at that point, but I think I was about the eighth guy that, uh, I think seven guys had turned the job down. So I was like the eighth <laughs> or 10th applicant, something like that. Wow. Or candidate, not applicant, but candidate. Yeah. Who knew? Uh, I see. That would be a question I'd want to ask, but you, is that just something you don't ask? I just or? haven't asked. I, yeah. Okay. Next time I, uh, get the chance, I will, but I, I just, yeah, I haven't really, I was just glad to get, get the call. Yeah. So you, until I entered it, you hadn't been in the, you hadn't been to the NFL before, no. right? Mm-mm. Um, no. you were there six years. Um, with Cleveland slash Baltimore, um, what did? Well, how did that prepare you? How did that time prepare you to become a Big Ten head coach? Oh, uh, you know, it was a really good experience, and, and the, the main experience in retrospect really served me well too, because uh, a lot of the mistakes that I made uh, during that three-year period, especially the first year, uh, at least when when this opportunity came around, uh, there were some things you file away that mm-hmm. I think uh, were really helpful. And the good news is in Maine, you know, nobody really noticed uh, the mistakes I made. Uh, they were more interested in hunting season at that point or uh, the hockey season probably. So it, it's grown a little bit and it's changed. It's a, it's a stronger program now. But, um, you know, so that was a really good experience. And then the six years I was in the NFL were just terrific. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's not earnings, obviously, uh, you know, transferable. But, uh, you know, to have a chance to work with a guy like Bill Belichick was really mm-hmm. uh, outstanding. Uh, he was a Hall of Fame coach in Cleveland, in my opinion. I think circumstances, you know, what we went through uh, couldn't have been any more bizarre or surreal. It was just a really unusual experience. Um, and I'm not sure anybody could have navigated through that. So uh, we were in the process, I think. You know, I know Bill believes this, too. We were in the process of building a good football team. And when the move got announced uh, in the, the middle of the uh, 95 season, it was just like nothing any of us had ever experienced. It was really uh, just unbelievable. So, um, you know, that that's that. But to live through that, to, to one lesson you learn is that, uh, you know, there's just keep pushing ahead. And everybody pretty much landed on their feet. Most everybody's gone on and done just fine for themselves. So it's a good life experience to go through. But it was really kind of unusual and bizarre. And then one of the good things that came out of it, I guess, uh, it wasn't originally the, the intent, but I ended up going uh, staying with the organization, right. and uh, you know, going to Baltimore, and had an opportunity to work for a, for a different type of head coach, to Ted Marchabroda, who is uh, both of them are exceptional head coaches, both NFL head coaches. Uh, Bill was a lifelong NFL guy, just like Ted. Both of them had uh, cut their teeth in the NFL, and uh, it's pretty much all they did and all they knew. Uh, both had tremendous respect for the game and the league. And, and both were outstanding head coaches in their own way, but very, very different in the way they operated, but both outstanding. So to get exposure to two sure. two really outstanding people and outstanding coaches, uh, really lucky. And I'd say the same thing about my nine years here, mm-hmm. uh, working with Coach Fry. And then you know, my three years in uh, Maine, uh, Kevin White, we were only together for about a year and a half. Then he went to Tulane, but uh, you know, really a good mentor there and a lot of, a lot of good people up there. Did you ever, uh, your name got associated with a lot of NFL lists. Did you ever internally have an itch to see how you would do when you were on those lists kind of early in your Iowa career? Not, not really. Um, you never you thought know, about it, it, it? No, not really. It just, um, you know, it's kind of ironic too. You know, the, the main thing, you know, we had just refinanced our house. You know, we were kind of at a crossroads in a way. Um, in year three, uh, the program, you know, we, we had our challenges. Uh, I mentioned they were in the playoffs year before I got there. Unfortunately, a lot of those good players uh, graduated. <laughs> and a couple of them went to the NFL, and that really, you know, a couple of NFL mm-hmm. players can make a big difference in a, in a program sure. at that level. Yeah. So, you know, but we had, you know, we were gaining traction, I felt like, and uh, 
So we actually refinanced our house maybe two months before we got that phone call mm. in Maine. So our plan was to be there for the long haul. And then uh, when we had a chance to come back here, uh, you know, our plan was to, to be here. And uh, as long as we're, you know, allowed to be here. Yeah. So, you know, as, as years went on, there might have been a thing or two where, you know, it piqued your interest a little bit. But really uh, what it comes down to, you know, I've never felt like there was a compelling reason for me to, to really listen or look uh, too hard. And uh, I feel very fortunate uh, for that fact. And I, I uh, am appreciative to our administration going back to, you know, 2002 in that, that time zone, 2003, um, you know, where, where I think we were able to address those kinds of things. What was the furthest down the line that it ever got? Oh, you know, I mean, there's there's conversations that take place, but it just, you know, where we ever said, you know, hey, are we really serious about something? We never yeah. got to that point. And, you know, the family, family part uh, ties into that a lot, too, and that's mm-hmm. always been part of my, um, you know, part of the things I consider when, when I you think about things professionally. And, and really what it boils down to, if you're in a good place where you have good support and you're around good people every day, you know, it would take a lot to make you even think about yeah. wanting to leave that. And uh, I've never had a compelling reason to leave. I mean, just that's, that's really kind of what it gets down to. And fortunately, it's on the other side. Nobody's felt compelled enough to make me leave. So, you know, so far, so good. Yeah, a good combination yeah. there. Um, I feel like, you know, when any coach, you know, starts to get into his 60s, getting into year 20 in, the, you know, a program, which it never happens, um, you know, people's questions come up about how long you want to do this. Um, but I, I think in my conversations with you, you strike me as someone who really – I think it feels like you can keep going for a while and you, I don't see any diminished energy or anything like that. Do you feel that? Is that true? I'm I'm not a fanatic, but I do try to take care of myself. Uh, But I'm hardly, you know, uh, I'm not exhibit A for, you know, the perfect (laughs) lifestyle, that's for sure. Uh, But I I try to be aware and try to take care of myself. And that's, that's, you know, so part of that's doing Mm -hmm. that. The part of it's luck too, you know, good fortune and knock on wood. Hopefully that'll continue and then the other part of it is you know do you have the passion to really do what it takes to to be successful at the job and uh that's somebody else has to to judge that and all that but i know internally uh, i've never enjoyed it any more than i'm enjoying it right now um you know i really enjoy the players and that's that's first and foremost i enjoy the people i get to interface with every day Uh, and i've always felt very fortunate about that And, and really i've never had a bad job so i'm really lucky that way too but um, yeah, I just, you know, I like it here. I mean, I just, I've always mm-hmm. liked it. I like the challenge and there is a, a huge challenge. Uh, it's, it's every day, it's every year, you know, it's a new, new phase and a new, new situation. So, uh, there's nothing about it that allows you to get stagnant. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, I think it's more intriguing. The more you, the more, you know, those old sayings and cliches yeah. are so true, the more, you know, you don't know. So it's just always, there's always something to, to, to challenge you and, and really, you know, keep you thinking. What? Have you ever let your mind get to the point where you would think about what you would do after coaching, whenever that is, if that's after 2025 or after whenever? Yeah, you know, even if I got asked that question 10, 15 years ago, you know, teaching is like the only thing I've Mm -hmm. ever felt like would be an easy transition. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I got to tell you, one one job I wouldn't mind getting is an analyst job um, (laughs) somewhere. Where, where, you know, you come in and you kind of like look around and say a few things and everybody says, you know, so what are the, what are the, what's his hours, you know, what, what hours does that guy work? And 
what's his job exactly? <laughs> you know, I might consider one of those jobs someday, but you know, not in the foreseeable future. Like on TV or just with a team? No, 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 just in a team. You know, okay. Yeah, where gotcha. you just kind of come and go and okay. everybody kind of scratches their heads after you leave, you know. Like, who is that guy? What's he doing anyway? <laughs> just so I'm always nice to the young people that I've worked with. I always try to be good to those guys. Uh, very smart. Have you ever uh, wanted to do, like Barry Alvarez, have you ever wanted to be an athletic director? Ever Has that appealed to oh you at gosh. all? Oh, my gosh. No. No. And I mentioned Kevin White. You know, I, I uh, and back in, back in those times, that was 1990, right? Mm-hmm. Back then, eight coaches became ADs pretty, pretty commonly. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't happen very much anymore, but I, I uh, think it was about a month into the job. Kevin would come by, and we'd have a cup of coffee. You know, he'd come by every now and then. And I said, Kevin, I said, you know how people sometimes coaches become ADs? I said, I would never want your job. What do you do for fun? And at least as a coach, you get to go out to practice for two hours, and there's no no phones. Nobody can bug you. You know, you're just mm-hmm. out there uh, where they can't get you. So but with <laughs> athletic directors, boy, I don't know. I don't know how they do it. That's That's not a fun job. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Not a fun job. Um, in what, uh, in your years, you know, you were a grad assistant, I think in 1980, is that right? At Pitt? Mm-hmm. Um, in what <laughs> year, in what ways has the game evolved and become more sophisticated? Um, like what will a grad assistant today never experience for better or for worse that you did as a young coach? So I'm only laughing because you're opening the door for me to make some commentary on the NCAA. Uh, Go right ahead. So when I was a grad assistant, basically you were paid like a grad assistant, but you worked full-time football. And uh, I actually, I was at a recruiting function, had a really uh, nice discussion with someone from the business school. And uh, so anyway, the next week I I slid over and and, uh, met with that person and just, you know, kind of explored what it would take to get an MBA. And I got back, and uh, my mentor, who was my high school coach, Joe Moore, mm-hmm. asked where I'd been. I told him, and uh, you know, I thought he'd be excited about that. He looked at me and said, did you, did you come here to go to school or to, to uh, be a, a football coach? <laughs> I said, well, I want to learn how to be a football coach. So <laughs> that kind of ended that discussion and mm-hmm. ended my uh, pursuit. So when I was a grad assistant, we were allowed to have four grad assistants, and nobody was required to go to school. You could if you wanted to, but you didn't have to. So fast forward, I get back here in 1990, uh, 99, excuse me. Uh, we had cut it from four grad assistants to two. And also those grad assistants were required to go to school. So their workload had doubled because the, the labor force got uh, restricted by two. Oh, plus, sure. plus they had to go to class. And grad assistants are like prisoners of war anyway. So it's like, you know, these guys get treated so badly. Now we're making these guys go to class. It didn't make any sense to me because I'm just guessing if I was a chemistry GA, they yeah. wouldn't make me take a ping pong, ping pong class or any kind of phys ed <laughs> class. So I never, I never quite understood the logic of that. Um, and I think when you're a grad assistant, you're trying to get trained to do what you got, you want to do. So I feel fortunate. I didn't have to go. Not, not, I'm, I'm yeah. pro education. I'm, sure. I'm not, but for what I wanted to do, I wanted to learn how to coach. And I was really lucky that way. Uh, the most important thing, though, it really is, you know, so fortunate. I think this can take place anytime. Uh, I, I did work for my guy. Uh, that was, my my coach, my the guy coach I was responsible for was my head football coach in high school. He had taken the job at Pitt, and then uh, when he got the line job there in 1980, he uh, allowed me to come work with him. So uh, not only was I, I, in my opinion, I was learning from the best coach I'd ever been around, uh, but there there was a real uh, it was a mutual mutual you know uh, relationship, I guess, if you will. And uh, he he couldn't have treated me any better. I mean, it was just unbelievable. I was with him. Uh, just about every waking hour. So uh, he was really good that way. He was really uh, kind to share with me. And there were some hard lessons learned there. I mean, he was, uh, you know, it was 
The only thing harder than playing for him was coaching for him, I guess. <laughs> but but it was the greatest learning experience that I could ever ask for. And uh, I think when I look and um, I think about Seth Wallace here, the way Norm mentored Seth. Mm. Uh, so, you know, when, when a younger guy has an opportunity to get mentored by someone, it's just a, it's a really good thing. And that's something you hope for all young guys is yeah. they, they get that opportunity to get, get paired up with somebody who's really going to be good in terms of sharing information, experience, and, and knowledge, mm-hmm. that type of thing. Going back and covering the NFL draft this year, you just go back to the names you and I talked about in West Des Moines, you know, the Greenways, the Clarks, you know, the Babineaus, the guys that have had the long careers. Yeah. But but I would say it seems like to me that you get the greatest sense of satisfaction in coaching, sending these guys off to the world, whether NFL or not, you know, with the foundation of being successful in life. Is that true? And how often do you kind of make that a point of your program? It, it is, and it's... Uh... To me, that that sports done right, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm you know not preaching here by any stretch of the imagination, but I think uh, one of the things that are great about that's great about sports is just that the things that make teams successful, you know, the lessons that you learn being part of a successful team, I think those things translate to anything you do in life that's challenging, whether it's you know being a good family member, whether you're the son, or the father, or you know whatever uh, your role is, and those things change throughout life. Uh, you know, being part of any organization, being a teacher in a school, being part of a faculty, you know, whatever it is you're part of, and we're all part of something, you know, I think all those things just translate so well. So, you know, it it gives you a lot of pride when you see a guy like Yonda go to however many uh, Pro Bowls he's gone to, and, you know, we're sitting here today, and his truck's out there now. There's a reason why he goes, because he understands the value of a routine working, uh, and he's just, he's he's unbelievable with his, the way he does things. Mm. Um, But, you know, you're proud of those guys, but it means just as much when you get a, an email or a letter from Will Lack, who's up, you know, working uh, uh, in Chicago, uh, right downtown, I believe, in an emergency room. You know, a guy that, that could have gone anywhere. You know, he went to Harvard Medical School. Guy's extremely talented and gifted as a physician, but he's he's uh, doing something that's really good for humanity. So, yeah. uh, but you know, when he when he gives it back to you, uh, you know, when he shares messages back that things that he took. And, and the, the real truth is, you know, we learn as coaches and I think teammates, you learn as much from other people as you do. You know, what we, we you know, you think we're the teachers. I mean, it's a two-way street. So that, that's the beauty of this whole thing. And I think when there's some stability and there's good connectivity within the program, you know, you have a chance to have really good things come out of it mm-hmm. that extend well beyond the, the wins and losses. But, yeah. you know, none of us are naive, too. I mean, you, you don't get to do this if right. you don't want to know if that's just the way it goes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Chad, again, you're hitting on some really heavy stuff there towards the end of that. I think that uh, uh, that legacy conversation and that uh, all that stuff with the NFL, th- you've hit it on the head. That's what he's going to be remembered for, and those are th- the bigger issues than just football. Yeah, and uh, he definitely is passionate talking about those types of things. You can just see it in his body language, too, that when, when the stuff of legacy and character and all that come up that he really kind of lights up that's what drives him i've if i remember right the last couple years you've done kind of a lightning round you kind of and i know you opened this up for some twitter questions yesterday some of our listeners that maybe responded to you should uh they be tuned in for this final segment yeah it's it's kind of a fun one it's definitely all over the map we'll wrap up uh chad likes to go sit down with coach kirk ferentz next here on hawk central on 1460 kxno 
Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes. It's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G Migs Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Final 10 minutes of Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO as we move you to the 7 o'clock hour. Great sit down that Chad Lysko had yesterday with Coach Kirk Ferentz. These are always fun to uh, listen to, Chad. This time of year, I think you hear it maybe even uh, more as the interview goes on. This time of year, you can really get these guys to put their guard down a little bit. He's not so focused on football. Yeah, like I said, all over the map here, some fun topics and some actually news that breaks in this segment about this, alternate jerseys. The, oh, oh, you, you just piqued the interest of a lot of listeners. I can promise you that. Wrap up with Coach Kirk Ferentz and Chad Lysico here on Hawk Central on 1460 KXNO. All right, you ready for a, the lightning round finish here? We, got, got, uh, I took we a have a choice. Of, <laughs> uh, you, okay. you could walk away no, if you want. Wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, I, I took some Twitter questions uh, as well. So these, these are all over the map. First one, Pancheros or Chipotle? I'm a local Pancheros guy, you, you know. Go. In fact, I hit it last week. <laughs> Nicely done. The, the kitchen's not so, uh, the kitchen at our house really got bad once Steve moved out. Like once we go and went kidless. Yeah. Yeah. You better, you better check every night and make sure there's something to eat at home. <laughs> so, yeah, Pancheros one's that, one's that one. This is a good, this is a good one for right now. Uh, Jordan or LeBron? I'm a Jordan, you know. Jordan guy. I'm really more Bird Magic than okay. Jordan, or Bill Russell. But <laughs> yeah, you uh, can insert your own guy. To answer your question, I go to Jordan. Okay. Yeah. They used to foul back then. Yeah. Like they were hard fouls. You yeah. know, it was to me a different game. Mm-hmm. It's summertime, uh, Memorial Day. Did you? What's your summertime specialty on the grill, or do you have one? You know, usually uh, we enjoy summertime. We enjoy a good hamburger as much as okay. anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Iowa chops would be my favorite though. Okay. Iowa chops. That's that's my number one. Now, are you out there doing it, or is that? Yeah, Mary will prepare okay. a little okay. uh, soy sauce, a little garlic, and then okay. just throw them on the grill. They're easy. Nice. No brainer stuff. I'm I'm okay with. <laughs> yeah. I know the summer's really short, but anything on your on your bucket list away from football for this summer that you want to get done? Not not really. Well, just you know, it's it's a time to really uh, read and do some things you don't get yeah. to do maybe as as readily and. And think, maybe think, you know, a little bit, and then relax and family time. It's just the things that are made are a little tougher when we're 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 moving. Uh, this was a really I like this question. Who would be your favorite player on another team that's not on not a Hawkeye? Do you have a favorite like player to watch this let's, past season or let's say college? Like, let's keep it in college. college yeah, football? this past season, let's say, yeah. Uh, you know, I can't say I admire Barkley uh, mm-hmm. the work that he did, but I've never seen a performance like that yeah. uh, against us and. On top of it, he just seems like a first-class, you know, person. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I didn't enjoy any part of that. <laughs> but, but as a coach or a competitor, you go, you go look at that and say, boy, that was that was something. And uh, going back over that twenty-year span, you know, uh, the way Randall L played was just, yeah. you know, I mean, there have been a lot of great players in our conference. I don't mean to uh, minimize any of that, but you know, he was always a tough out for us too. Yeah, that one stands out to me too. Boy, yeah, that <laughs> that a, guy was better than anyone oh realized, I don't think. Uh, will there be an alternate uniform this year? Um, to some degree, probably, yeah. yeah. It, it's, uh, that's a lot more complex than it sounds, you know. <laughs> Maybe you know uh, more about it than I do, but it's you just can't, you know, you get can't it just done say, overnight. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's not that easy. Yeah, okay. it's not that easy. It's uh, it's like planning for the Normandy invasion. It's, it's tough <laughs> to get that done. But we're we've got a few things in the works. We'll see. Uh, given what happened with the Ohio State game, would you ever wear that jersey again, or is that retired? Uh, you know, I really haven't thought about yeah. it. But uh, yeah, I'm not against it. Yeah, it'd yeah, be interesting. Against it. Do you soil the reputation of that jersey if it, with a possible loss? Or that, that's that's probably something I would have to throw out to the jury. Yeah, uh, you know, survey the staff on that one. I like that. Um, do you have a team book this year? 
Yes and no. Uh, you know, we, we the slight edge is part of our curriculum. Obviously, yeah. we've done that, and then uh, Palm the Stone is a book that we we went with. So okay. uh, we went with one book this year instead of last year. We were multiple. We had mm-hmm. about five or six up in the year. Okay. Any feedback from that book? Has it, has it been? Yeah, good? I think it was well received. Yeah, yeah well received. Um, any chance? Is, are you still looking at graduate transfers uh, for the 2018 team? Not, not to my knowledge. You okay. know, something would have to to pop up that we're. We've, we've inquired and, you know, kept our ear to the ground, but not right now. It's all quiet. <laughs> I think I've asked this every year, so I'll ask it again. Is there one rule change in college football you'd like to see? On the field or off the field? Uh, let's go on the field. On the field, the cup block rule is still, yeah, still to my um, to my knowledge, it's, it's still muddy water. Any other rules that, that are bugging you? I, I think our recruiting is, you yeah. know, uh, it, it's just, it's, uh, watch how I phrase this right, but it's just, you know, we're, we're uh, legislatively, we we are really slow to mm-hmm. to keep pace. I think, and you know, the reality is, if if you look and you 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 guys in the media follow this stuff uh, really closely and know as much as I do, or probably more, basically everything just keeps shifting forward. Yeah. So I'll just throw one at you. It's, it's I've mentioned this before, but uh, you know, we're allowed to bring prospects in for official visits now, starting in April, mm-hmm. going through here uh, almost the end of June. And and the calendar for the visit count, which is 56, you're allowed 56 visits a year. That's always been September 1st when the visits began. So they moved the official visits up, but they didn't move the 56 limit up. So we we have a significant amount of visits still banked from last year. So sure. we're, we're going to be okay, I think. But there are schools that have just a handful. And I don't know how they're going to bring prospects in officially. So it's, just, it's frustrating to see part mm-hmm. of a rule get changed, but the other part that accompanies it not be addressed. And, you know, nothing's happened. Meanwhile, they came up with some legislation a couple of weeks ago about the phones. That happened overnight. So it just it, it's frustrating to, to yeah. be someone who gets to, you know, we get told what we can do and can't do. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't always add up, you know, two and two doesn't always make four. So. Those kinds of things are a little bit frustrating, but just in recruiting in general, yeah. I think the world's changing really fast, and it's hard for legislation to keep up with it. I, I don't know the answer to that, uh, other than maybe find a smaller uh, group of people to govern or, or keep this stuff uh, current. But it's 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 a little tough to, to navigate sometimes. Yeah, I can see by watching your body yeah. language here. It's uh, it's yeah. And I mean, we're we're <laughs> alive. Topic. Yeah, it's <laughs> just I don't know why we can't call prospects right now. Yeah. which you can tweet them or Facebook yeah. them, and they'll call you. But it's just, you know, it's just things don't always make sense to me. You don't have a Twitter account yet, right? No, no right. not yet. <laughs> uh, maybe someday? Probably not. Probably yeah, not. Probably I, don't, not. I, don't, I don't envision yeah. you having a Twitter account, actually. Um, okay, right down to the wire here. Uh, this is another good question. I think some other people that probably shouldn't have one, too. <laughs> but, yeah, we won't go down that road. <laughs> Uh, one it's a player much higher, higher level than my <laughs> operation, that's for sure. Uh, one player on offense and defense that really impressed you on your team uh, this offseason? Just like in the spring you're saying? Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's that type it. of thing? Yeah. Cole Banwart made some progress, certainly. Mm-hmm. I think he uh, he grew. He got me on that one. I had Chauncey Golston on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are two guys that just, you know, without thinking this out, mm-hmm. I thought really uh, made some strides and, you know, did some really positive things. Live, very last question here. We've been asking the assistants that have come on our radio show this uh, to finish it, and it's it's been a nice. Uh, the responses have varied. Uh, Hawkeye fans in 2018 will be pleasantly surprised by. Oh, that's a good question. Well, I I hope this season, but we'll see. You know, I mean, we got a lot of work to do, but I, I feel good about our football team right now. 
you know, clearly we're, we're getting ready to head into a really important period. The summer training is always important and not, not only from the development, but the leadership, you know, continuing to see that emerge, which I think we saw signs of that during the spring. Uh, but this team from January till, till today has really done a lot of good things and um, still a couple areas that we have to address and get better at and all those types of things. But uh, I like the track that we're on. But, but all that being said, really the most important work is over the next three months, actually, June, July, and August. And hopefully we'll be in position when the season gets going. But, but I, like, I like the direction we're heading in right now. Good stuff. I think LeVar Wood said the water tower. That would have been a different answer. Water tower. You can't see it from the field. I don't know if you can see it from the seats. But, Once uh, the seats get up, yeah, that might be a hidden. Uh... Yeah, with the, with the new. Uh, so it's kind of ironic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Getting that thing up there and then the, uh, the, the view is a little bit blocked. Yeah. So I hadn't thought about that one. Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you for doing thank this. You, really appreciate right. it. Oh, Take thank care. Thank you. Next week, an early edition of Hawk Central. Plan on hearing us from 530 to 620 right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.